this whole thing out of the abundance of caution. No, the abundance of caution would have been drastically different. <laughs> it's not keep your we... windows closed with that. Around the world, as promised, a remnant remains who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Remnant Podcast. All right, so here we are again with the... Uh, What's probably going to be a big, a big deal, a big news hour, you know, I mean, you have, um, I mean, you have poured yourself into this. <laughs> I really have. Yeah. You have had to basically, you have like what looks to me like literally a 30 page notebook here. You and know, I and threw away probably 15 yeah, pages. Yeah. That's what I was about to say is that's the condensed <laughs> down version. Yes. You know, which I really appreciate because you've put a lot, of, a lot into this. I, I have not really, uh, maybe I should have took the time to have it, but you did. And so let's not even waste time with it. We're talking about the Ohio environmental disaster. It's a, I mean, what are we going to even call it? You'll you'll inform me on that. East Palestine train derailment is yeah. a lot of people. Yes. Uh, and it's obviously in the news now. It, you know, it. well, I'll let you get into that. I know it wasn't in the news for a long time. It's like they tried to keep it out of the news or something. But you have really done, a, I mean, a, honest, a deep dive in this, you know. Yes. And, you know, I didn't like, I started out just taking a few notes thinking I was just going to sort of learn some of the highlights. But the more I read and the more I researched, I mean, it's just this is definitely a condensed version and there's so much more that could be said it's incredible the things that that have happened and the things that i've learned so yeah, so yeah. but i mean you know just for them i mean you're gonna do some editing on this video i'm sure but i mean like you have done a real you know there's there's tons of pages of stuff here that you know i think it says something about and it's not that you're a final authority on it necessarily but i mean you have like literally when you was printing this stuff off i was thinking you ink does cost money i mean <laughs> you know you got a pile of stuff over there and you've gone through it uh, you've done a tremendous amount of research so open up you know all tell right. us about it everything's recording right so we don't go yes, through all is, this. yeah everything is recording <laughs> like last time yeah we're good to go all right all right so um i'm just going to basically tell you a timeline of events that's my that was sort of my plan in mind in case I don't know how much of this you do already know. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah. So we're just going to start down, from man. day one. Okay. So Friday, it was February 3rd. So a little bit more than a month ago as of right now. So February 3rd at about 9 o'clock p.m., there was a train going through East Palestine, Ohio. And it was a 150-car train. And out of that 50 cars, they estimated at that time, 50 cars derailed with no injuries to anybody, and there was a three-man crew on the train. Again, that happened at 9 o'clock p.m., and it wasn't until 11 o'clock p.m. that it was reported. And that's when the report mm. came in. So it's already a little fishy, but, you know, mm. let's not... let's not. Well, I mean, no, I mean, that, that does say something, though. <laughs> it does. It's worth pointing out, because a 50-car incident with mm -hmm. a three-man crew, that's a 911 event, you know. Yes, yes. You know, that's not like... Let's I just, agree. You can, it it kind of says to me, and I, I don't want to derail you, no pun intended. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you stay on your mental train of thought there. No pun intended. Oh <laughs> you're the worst. It definitely already indicates to me there was a That whole, was a red flag. A whole lot of questions in the background happening, probably between Norfolk and the people, the crew, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, what are we going to say? Like, how are we going to handle this? What do we do? What do we yes. say? Hi, Sam. It's Ryan from Ohio. 
I uh, haven't called in a while, but, uh, well, basically, um, I don't know, you guys haven't really, I haven't really seen a whole lot of coverage about this nationwide, uh, but Friday night, a little after 9 o'clock, um, I, well, I heard a bunch of commotion outside, and I walked outside to what I could only describe as like a hellscape. There, uh, there, a train in my town derailed and they were hauling uh, oil and chemicals and uh, it there were flames like hundreds of feet high i i and, uh, I, um, I i i i at least headlined that i had seen that and there was like a okay. evac mass evacuation i mean hundreds of people were evacuated because of my understanding yeah this uh this crash was about it was about five blocks from my house actually wow. <laughs> it was uh yeah, it was uh, it was scary, but basically, um, so they evacuated us the first night because they said they didn't know what chemicals were on the train. Uh, it ended up um, Norfolk Southern, the company, the train company, uh, they claimed that they had. They, it took them like twenty four hours to reveal what was even on the train. Right, and uh, which I mean, you know, in the age of computers, it'd probably take about five minutes to figure out what was on the train. So it certainly shouldn't take 24 right hours because if you got something that's no. going to explode like that, you would probably want to alert everybody, yeah. you know, all the local authorities, right? Like, I mean, okay. So this is the derailment. It did contain cars that were carrying hazardous chemicals, specifically vinyl chloride. That's what this is all about is vinyl chloride. Uh, the, all the cars were intact. There was none that were, broken, busted, leaking, or anything like that. Um, they were even holding pressure at this point. On Saturday, the very next day, Michael Graham of the National Transportation Safety Board, I'm just going to call that NTSB, he said that investigators have not yet been able to enter the accident site due to active fire and hazardous materials. First responders found evidence of one of the train cars releasing vinyl chloride. My question real fast about that is the investigators were not able to enter the site. I just want to know what your thoughts are, because my thoughts went to when I read that. How are like first responders are firefighters, um, ambulance, yeah, paramedics, yeah, EMTs. Yeah. How could they be the ones to first say that vinyl chloride was being leaked? I bet. Yes, I mean, it's a good question. It could, I mean, uh, maybe there's a different category of first responders that's in view there. I don't really know. But if I read that myself, yes, I would think how would firefighters even know unless maybe mm -hmm. they were informed by the railway. Hey, guys, just so you know, there could be this, that, or that. But even how would they test, you know? I, exactly. You know? And so um, because vinyl chloride was not the only hazardous chemical, it's not like they were told this train was carrying vinyl chloride if you notice anything then that's what it's going to be it was carrying several different hazardous materials but uh, they said in this the very next day that first responders let everybody know or found evidence that vinyl chloride was being leaked uh, now just so everybody knows vinyl chloride is what's used to make pvc mm -hmm. okay and it is um has been shown to cause liver cancer uh, rare forms of liver cancer, brain cancer, lung cancer, leukemia, and lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And I'm and, sure you're probably covering this, but one thing that I have heard about vinyl chloride is that actually when it's burned, 
the aerosols or the particulates that come out of the fire is even more toxic than vinyl chloride. One of the things, the byproducts, I guess, is um, was a gas that was used in World War One. Right. I wasn't even going to get into that, but that was yes. yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did hear that, and yeah. you know, it, uh, so it. Well, the the study that I was watching said that there is like when you burn it, it basically becomes different types of other toxic things, gases and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And depending on how you burn it, uh, if it's what they would call a controlled burn, which would be an oxygen-deprived burn or an oxygen-regulated burn, it only produces a you know maybe a low percentage of one of the most extreme toxins that there are. But the way in which it was burned is the is basically... They basically the the way this guy was painting the picture was it's worst case scenario. It's you oh know, yes yeah. yeah we'll get into that here okay. in a second okay. yes yeah don't let me steal your basically thunder. the scene that I'm trying to set real fast just to give everybody an idea of what I'm getting at is that okay so Saturday what's coming out right now is that there's a fire going on people may or may not know at this point that this train carries hazardous material. Um, but and local officials Saturday morning notify residents that an evacuation order um, was in place for people within one mile of the scene. Residents beyond that radius were just encouraged to stay indoors. Uh, and then the mayor, Trent Conaway, he told repi- uh, reporters that firefighters from three states responded due to the location of uh, where this is at. It's close in proximity to West Virginia and Pennsylvania as well. Um, But he said that freezing temperatures, which were in the single digits, complicated the response as trucks pumping water froze. That's what Mayor Conway said. So the fire Mm. continued Saturday, and he was saying that there was issues because of the freezing temperatures. I have a friend whose husband is a firefighter, so I asked him about it. And uh, he said that theoretically, this was his exact message. He said, theoretically, yes, a pump could freeze on the way to a fire in extreme circumstances, especially if the truck had to fight, had to drive further distances or sit outside for several hours without being used. He said, although I've never heard of that happening here in the South, especially. He said, water, if it were going to freeze, would do so in the pump and not the tank. And your tank if being used, can be emptied in as little as five minutes. So a pump could freeze if it was had water in it, but then was sitting there for several hours in extreme circumstances. Mm-hmm. But if a truck is going from the fire station to a location mm-hmm. and it starts being used, that the tank would could be emptied in as little as five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, so freezing temperatures is what we were told originally Saturday. And the reason that's important is because later on we're told it's something different that the reason the firefighters didn't mm. fight the fire. Yeah, I knew there was going to be some underlying yes. something here. Okay, so that's Saturday. And in my mind also I was thinking, you know, just that fire trucks, I don't know of a fire station that doesn't store their trucks indoors. Yes. So some might that's would think, oh, well, if it was that. sitting outside for a long time, you know, but no, fire stations, I mean, the firemen – live in the same places that the trucks are stored so it's climate controlled places i have been in several of them so yes yeah that that's a little fishy (laughs) so it's already there's a few yes exactly so basically the the train derails fire is going on firefighters for one reason or another at this point are not combating the fire 
into Saturday night, and the fire is just allowed to continue. So Although we're a full 24 no, hours later now, you're saying, because we're yes. it happened Friday that night, was Saturday 9 p.m., night. now we're Saturday night, mm-hmm. and there's still no firefighting going on. Well, there was some firefighting going on, but firefighters were pulled away. Okay. And at Sat- on Saturday, it said because of freezing temperatures. Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you later on, it's said that firefighters were pulled away because of fear of toxic that's what I was thinking. Yes. They were pulled away for their own safety. Basically. That's what they that's what the firefighters were told. Yeah. Is it was for your safety in case there's an explosion or in case there are toxic mm-hmm. fumes in the air. Which we're going to get into because you'll <laughs> find that throughout this story sometimes they use this idea of there's toxic fumes in the air for like with the firefighters. But the rest of the time they're saying the air is totally safe. Yeah, it sounds like two different narratives are yes. already being and they're already formed. Yeah. yeah, and so as of Saturday, you know, it's it's just sort of like they're digging a hole, and you're going to start seeing all the places that they slip up. As of Sunday, no, actually, no action has actually been taken yet because all they're doing is telling people stay inside or evacuate within a one mile radius. Within a one mile radius. Okay, so. Uh, Somebody had actually, Mayor Conway, said that uh, one person was arrested for going around the barricades right up to the crash during the night. This is um, an article on the 5th on Sunday. And it said that Mayor Conway said that that person was arrested for going around the barricades and getting close to the crash site. And he's quoted as saying, I don't know why anybody would want to be up there. You're breathing toxic fumes if you're that close. (laughs) And then it said he began stressing that the uh, because it's like he caught himself stressing. He said stressing that monitors of air quality away from the fire showed no levels of concern and that the town's water is safe because it has been fed by groundwater unaffected by some of the material that went into the streams. So it was like in one sentence he contradicted himself. Mm-hmm. So the guy was arrested because it's dangerous and he's breathing in toxic fumes and they're keeping people away. But then he's saying, but hey, air well, quality mean, he, has he, been shown. He did really ultimately contradict logic because if it's toxic within 100 feet of the train, it's still toxic within 200 feet, maybe less. Mm-hmm. But it's still toxic. It's not like the wind ceased to blow for 48 right. hours. Right. And so now whether or not that's a big slip up, I don't know. You know, that was just something that I caught. It was like, well, which is it? Because, again... By the time I was going back through these things, you find that they do this constantly. It's sometimes mm-hmm. it's toxic and sometimes it's not. And so even if that's not like a real red flag to somebody, some, you know, mm-hmm. give me a few more minutes. Yeah, okay. Right? Okay. <laughs> so at this time, I'll show you here. They created what they called a red zone and a yellow zone. And a red zone was the people that within that one mile radius because they are... That's what you gave me here, right? Yes. Okay. And the yellow zone are those people outside of it. And the reason the one mile radius is so important at this point is not because of toxicity. It's because they are telling the people at this point that if there is an explosion, shrapnel will fly out up to a mile. For three days, warning residents the burning wreckage of a freight train could explode, sending shrapnel and toxic fumes a mile in every direction over a rural Ohio community. So it's the a residents. blast zone. Basically. Exactly. They're establishing a blast yes. zone. And so you got to put your mind 
into the mindsets of the people that are there. So far, they've been told that there's nothing leaking, that the danger is in the explosion, the possibility of an explosion. So, uh, you know, I'm a listener at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm just a listener. So help me to stay online with part of what's happening here. You're that there is a fire going up this entire time. Yes. Yes. There's a fire going through Sunday. Uh, and so, because you know, in my mind, a fire, a triangle of fire has to have three things, heat, a fuel source and oxygen. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what's the fuel source. I mean, if they're saying that if the, if the, their narrative is there hasn't been any spill, everything's contained, then what is burning? Cause everything else is metal. Well, they said it was the plastic pellets that were causing this fire, but they weren't, the firefighters weren't allowed to put it out at this time. There has been no action taken at this point and we're in Sunday. Okay. That's amazing, man. Honestly. Yes. That's, that's huge. I mean, you're you're three days in to Mm -hmm. a major. Well, two days, two days, because it's not Sunday night yet. Okay. Well, two and a half days in to a major event and nothing is still happening. Nothing, nothing significant tailored speeches to the public nothing significant there's been a whole lot of monitoring they're monitoring the fire they're monitoring the air they're monitoring the water okay and so norfolk southern the the train company they said on sunday that this was their quote we have devised a plan to manually vent the cars out of all the cars that derailed five of them it says, this was very vague, but it said five of them could have been carrying vinyl chloride. Two of them, sorry, bugs. Two of them, they said, were full. And each car contained 177,000 pounds of vinyl chloride. Mm. Okay. And they said the other three may have contained some. Is basically the story that you get. Well, uh, it says that we have devised a plan to manually vent the cars. What they mean, though, or what we find out later is... They're going to vent all five cars, all five vinyl chloride containing cars, Mm -hmm. allowing the contents to be drained in a controlled fashion. And this is how they're presenting it to the people. Okay, this will be this will be loud and visible and some of the material will burn off as it drains for a short number of hours. We're going to place a small shaped charge to create a two to three inch hole in the tank car. We have prepared drainage pits. Drainage pits and embankments to contain the residue from the release. Okay, so that's what the people hear. How does that sound to you? Well, it sounds dangerous to me. I'll tell you that much because a shape charge is, you know, a controlled explosive. Yeah, so that's when the that's, that's, what that's the famous image. That's what they did of the basically a mushroom cloud. Yes, I that can only imagine not... when people locals saw that. Yes, they were terrified. Yes. And it was described and explained to them ahead of time that we're going to have drainage ditches, drainage pits, yeah, and embankments yeah. for the they residue. They need to reach the moon, apparently. Because <laughs> yeah, that's not what people thought were, was coming. Yeah, that's not what I thought and was that's coming not, either. They said some of the material will burn off. Yeah, looks That like. right there was able to be seen on weather radar. Just before they did all this, Governor DeWine... Uh, was quoted as saying evacuations ordered uh, have been ordered for the red zone, which is a one to two mile radius radius and yellow zone. Um, if you stay in there, you're at risk of severe injury, including skin burns and serious lung damage, lung damage. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's not about a blast or anything. It's not about about toxins in the air. Right. And residents with children who refuse to leave will be subject to arrest. So, again, is that a slip up? Is that a slip up? Because is it toxic or is it not toxic in the air? Uh, So, obviously, toxic. I mean, obviously, you know. Well, I mean, we obviously know that in hindsight, yes. but even just even just smoke that thick, even if it's not, you know, of a hazardous material, even just smoke that thick is damaging to yes. lungs. But you add to the fact that that's a toxic smoke and you have created a nightmare there. This picture, two hours after they started it, they said we have successfully completed the controlled breach of several rail cars. And three hours after this picture, they said... Thus far, this is Governor Shapiro of Pennsylvania. He said, thus far, no concerning readings have been detected. Mm. For now, out of an abundance of caution, Pennsylvanians who live within two miles of this site should just continue to shelter in place this evening and keep your windows and doors closed. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I don't want to, again, I don't want to take you off track. (laughs) I've used the word train and derail. I use the word track. I don't want to take you off track, but my mind goes back to other events that have happened, environmental events in in the past, and the narratives that take place. It's obvious to me that the public officials care way more about their own reputation and their image and their relationships with big money corporations than they do about the people in that that's in their province or their area. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, out this this whole thing out of the abundance of caution. No, the abundance of caution would have been drastically different. <laughs> it's not keep your we, windows closed with that. Right. Yeah. The abundance of caution is either y'all get out of here or we're going to handle this totally different. I, 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 you know, again, yes. what's in my mind uh, is like, why did they, is there reason for creating basically a controlled explosion, a small explosion to poke a hole in these tanks, relieve the pressure, let the gas off into the air? Is there reason for that to prevent a a one gigantic explosion? I'm like, why do they even do it that way is what I'm getting at. Right. Could they not have calmed it, like get the get what fire was burning under control perhaps and then yes. haul the cars off or something? I know. Because what me. you had said is that they had said – that up until this point, all this was contained in the tanks. Yes, exactly. And, you know, well, first of all, that's what I was just about to get at Well, in a way. But that question was asked directly to one of the men. A reporter asked one of the people who made this call that question directly. And I'm going to yeah, get to that here in a minute. Ahead. But um, they did that Monday. And on Wednesday... This is what DeWine said. Air quality samples in the area of the wreckage and in nearby residential neighborhoods have consistently shown readings at points below safety screening levels for contaminants of concern. And then James Justice of the EPA, he Mm -hmm. said all the readings that we've been recording in the community have been at normal concentrations. Okay. Yeah. And at the same time he's saying that, you have this guy from the Ohio EPA, Kurt Collar, and he is quoted as saying that this incident has resulted in the death of fish, but the town's water supply is safe for drinking. He said that at this time there was an estimated 3,500 fish that had been killed, and he, his quote is, the effects were immediately toxic to fish, but still protective to drinking water. Yeah. 
I mean, it obviously throws up a red flag to me, you know, if it's in the streams and they're saying, the reason they're saying the groundwater is still safe is because they're saying it's ground, or the water is still safe is because it's coming from underground. That's what they're saying. They're saying surface water is deemed safe. Wow. Yes. (laughs) And while the governor of Ohio and others have said repeatedly the air and water is safe, it's clear that some of the toxins have taken hold. A couple of miles outside of town, this is Leslie Run. I've heard this is happening. I didn't quite believe it, but watch this. So when you when you stick your stick this stick in the water, all the chemicals come to the surface in like rainbows. It's quite alarming. Wow. Look at all that. Look at it. It's all in the bottom of the creek bed. And this is also when an article came out about, on the 8th, there was an article that read, efforts to contain the fire stalled last Saturday night because firefighters withdrew from the blaze due to concerns about air quality and explosions. It mentioned nothing about freezing temperatures and frozen pumps. Mm-hmm. Okay, so five days later, that's where we skip to in the news, basically, mm-hmm. is now we're at February 13th. It's been 10 days like, since yeah, the original. Days, right. Yeah, five days since the last newsworthy. So they just said the air's clean, the water's safe, everybody Evacuation returned. order lifted. Yeah, everybody go back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't say anything for five days. I mean, much. you can find, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm but nothing, the street, nothing significant. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so um, on February 13th, Norfolk Southern pledges $25,000 to Red Cross Temporary Community Shelters. That's like literally half a penny to them. It was, <laughs> there are about 4,800, there's just shy of 5,000 residents in East Palestine. So it broke down to $5 a person. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. that, That's a slap in the face. $25,000 doesn't even cover the damage to just the land. Are you seeing how frustrated the residents are? Because literally, I mean, think about what actual tangible action has been taken so far. Minimal. Yeah. Minimal. And then, uh, yes, and then, like you said, a slap in the face as far as financial assistance and any of this. It also comes out on February 13th. I mean, they were even, I mean, like they were evacuated for a couple of days. And if it breaks down to like, what do you say, $5 a person? I mean, you should at least compensate what they lost in wages, I'm saying. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that just points to the the whole thing was just how can we, you know, save as much money for this company and, you know, save face for politicians. And how does this whole experience feel for you? Um, that money matters more than humanity? Truly? There's a guy, uh, Taylor Holzier. He's a registered fox keeper. He runs a dairy farm, and he was reporting death and unusual symptoms in his foxes, and he named some of them puffy faces, rapid pacing, lack of appetite. Um, another lady, Amanda Bashirs. Like I said, she lives 10 miles away from where they lit all the chemicals on fire, and this is what happened uh to her. The camera footage shows my chickens were perfectly fine before they started this burn. And as soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. 
if it can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to us in 20 years. The thing that I did listen to concerning this, the guy that I had listened to, just give credit where credit is due, his name's Ryan Christian of the Last American Vagabond podcast. He had actually called the, um, whatever the animal, it's like a veterinary animal shelter type place up there. Mm-hmm. Um, he had he had called and he has it recorded and he played it so that we could all hear and he talked to the lady who was the head of the office and they take in it's like an emergency room for animals basically what she runs and it's like it's a multiple county thing and he asked her was she this is now this was he hit the call was like three days ago four mm-hmm. days ago and he asked her was she what had she seen was she still seeing anything and basically her response was Yes, we're still getting continuous calls. We're getting animals brought in from up to, she said, 50 miles away that are having all kinds of issues, sores, you know, breathing mm-hmm. troubles. Uh, and she basically was saying while she was on the phone with him, don't even don't even bring any more animals right. because we can't do anything about this anymore. You know, right. there's no, we're overrun with it. You know, it was really interesting. And he kind of asked her what was being reported up there and had they, you know, had they sufficiently warned the people. And she was basically saying, you know, and her what she has seen and heard, the narrative doesn't match the evidence. Right. You know, and she, you know, she was, she'd never met this guy before. He just called her up and asked her what she thought. And she just said it right there on the phone, you know. The East Palestine Livestock and Pet Facts page put out by the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And the very first question is, these are for people with problems with their livestock and animals, dogs, cat, mm-hmm. pets, or livestock. Uh, it, the first question says, does the East Palestine train derailment incident pose a threat to livestock health? And the first answer is there is no indication that there is an increased risk to livestock or poultry following the incident. Mm. Basically, it's complete denial of any possibility that there's any harm, full side effects or effects to animals or livestock. And so, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's the thing that I keep getting out of this is, okay, maybe it is, maybe it isn't due to the toxins, but they're just saying we want that we have already ruled that out. So we're not going to consider that as a possibility. I we're know, not going to me that's that's such foolishness. It seems like if you really are wanting to pull one over on somebody, you can't be. You can't go all the way. Hundred percent denial. <laughs> you got to at least yeah. give some credibility to hey, you know, it is possible yeah. we did just have a giant train and then you keep fire people's trust a lot it. longer. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like that's the quickest way to get people to to see straight through is yeah. to just deny, deny, deny. But yeah, and I also seen some videos popping up on YouTube of just people going up there and and finding just like ran a guy was out walking through the woods. And within a, like a one mile hike, he just found a random dead deer here. A ran- and he's videoing it. A dead deer there. A dead deer there. With no, they hadn't been scavenged. Mm-hmm. They hadn't been killed by coyotes. They were just laying there dead. They hadn't been yeah. shot. Right. You know, just dead. And, you know, animals are more affected because of their size. They're smaller for the most part. Deer, I mean, a lot of deer may weigh as much as a human being, but, you know, there's because they're so small, the levels of toxicity is even more to them. But this is evidence of toxicity is what I'm saying. I mean, that's what we use animals in lab tests mm-hmm. for toxicity stuff. And this is, you know, the lab of nature has proven this is toxic air. Yeah. And actually, another story, I don't remember which uh, agency it was, but it was whoever the... 
it's whichever government agency was supposed to be testing the animals. But what they did is they sent uh, two birds and one opossum. And supposedly this agency tested those three animals. And because they said they did not find any toxicity in those animals, they basically were saying this is proof that the animals are not dying because of this. Hmm. And they took three three animal samples. I don't know, you know. Yeah, three out of so Lord knows how now, many animals. And supposedly the they did come from the area, but yeah, who knows. February 17th, again, the people are feeling ignored. They're feeling like, what's, what is anybody actually doing at this point? And so um, they're really putting pressure via the governor to supposedly try and work, get FEMA out or something. Um, FEMA is basically responding. A, a Biden rep said something like, you know, FEMA is for when there's tornadoes and, you know, hurricanes. This is different. And so that's basically that's was they're just saying it's not our jurisdiction. Yeah, we're not going to help. FEMA is now sending a team to East Palestine, Ohio, and this comes more than two weeks after the train derailment threatened the small town. Government Mike, Governor rather Mike DeWine came under criticism for not requesting federal aid sooner, and then his office criticized FEMA over allegations FEMA was not stepping up to help. But on the 17th, FEMA announced that they were going to send out um, some help, and. What's interesting is that the help that they were going to send out was help to assess. They were going to come out and assess. Again, what's anybody doing? Right. Yeah. You know, they were going to come out and assess the potential long-term recovery needs. That's what they were doing. So that same day, the Biden administration puts out this sort of infamous thing called the fact sheet. The Biden-Harris administration has mobilized a robust multi-agency effort to support the people of East Palestine, Ohio. Mm, that's not a robust multi-agency effort to support the people. If you have to tell them that that's what you've done, you haven't done it. If you have yeah. to say... Again, I hate the politics of that stuff. The Biden-Harris administration uh -huh. has done... You know, we're coming to the rescue. Why do they you don't even... have to make a note, a notice that you've done a big... You yeah. know, put it forth a big effort. Yeah, if you got boots on the ground, people know it. You don't have to put out. A you thing. don't have to yeah. put out a memorandum. Okay, and so, but I wanted to go over this because I thought this was extremely telling. Because even with an obvious motive, they were trying to sort of make people think, oh, well, they have done a lot. They have done something for us. And so they put out this, it's like four pages long. And I'm just going to hit some of the highlights okay. of each paragraph because I don't want it to seem like I'm just picking. I'm really going, I'm drawing out some from each paragraph, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to read everything, right. yeah, every word. You. Okay. So starting at the very beginning, these are the things that they said that they have done up to this point from February 3rd through February 17th. They said that the EPA has supported state and local response efforts. They said, this was the one thing that they said that was seemed like something tangible. They said that the DOT investigated what led to the derailment. Okay. They said that FEMA was coordinating with emergency operations centers and federal partners. They're coordinating. So we have supporting and we have coordinating. Mm -hmm. um, they said that. The next sentence or the next paragraph says that the federal government stands ready to provide any additional federal assistance needed. 
they're standing ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting your point. Okay. Yeah, they, there's the department, phone calls going on is what's happening. <laughs> department of Health and Human Services and the CDC, they announced that they're deploying a team. And this sounds great. All of a sudden, okay, here, we're into something. They're deploying a team of medical personnel and toxicologists to test and assess. Mm-hmm. They're going to evaluate individuals and interview them. So you've got medical personnel coming out to evaluate and interview. Yeah. Not doing anything. Okay. Um, and then they reiterate saying that we're committed to supporting the people of East Palestine. But again, what, you know, in what way? Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that they have sent dozens of EPA personnel. Okay. And then they say that they were tasked with the following things. So this is okay. So they sent dozens of people to do what? Monitor air quality. Monitor indoor air quality. That was the I, next paragraph. Okay. I, I mean, there's a part of this I do understand. You do have to test and assess and monitor. Yes. But the question is... We never is, get to action, right. though. That's well, that, what you okay, mean. you never get to action. And so the question is, though, where are they publishing the results? Because to just come out and say, oh, they're safe, that, that, I, that's almost meaningless to me. I want you to give me the numbers. Oh, I'm getting to that here you know in a second. Well, I, yes. I know you are, and I also know that when the numbers came out, we realized, oh, you guys were monitoring but not reporting accurately what was actually being monitored. You know, monitoring is one thing, but I don't – in other words, if somebody's coming in here and they're like, oh, we're going to monitor the air of the home or whatever, and they beep, 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 okay, mm-hmm. you're good to go, and they leave, I'd say, no, wait, wait, wait. Like, what, what readings did you actually find? How are you going about this monitoring? I mean, because right. you may not actually care about my health. Okay, so carry on. Yes. So this, the next two to three pages is is just again, it's coordinating. We are assisting. We are supporting. Those are words that you use or that have been used over and over and over again. Um, And again, coordinating just means you call somebody and say, "Hey, if you mm -hmm. need me, holler." There, I've coordinated. Yes. I haven't really done anything. They said that they are working on rulemakings to improve rail safety. But for the people of East Palestine, Mm -hmm. when they're reading this, what do you think they're taking away saying, this is what you've done for me? 